Welcome to Hike, Bike, Run. I'm your host, Rory Forsyth, and today we have an amazing guest lined up. Please welcome author Peter Fines. Hello. Hello. It's lovely to have you on the pod and lovely to be here in southwest London. In yes. Um, so, to, I'm introduced to you as an author. Tell mm. us, Peter, tell us about you. <laughs> well, I've been an author uh, for the last 10 years, actually. Uh, I was in publishing for that. I used to run Time Out Guides, so guidebooks was what I did for many, many years. And uh, since then, since I left Time Out, I've published four non-fiction books nice. and a fifth on the way. Fifth on the way. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, to have read them, and I, I, your, your new one sounds fascinating. T- can you tell us anything about it, or is it a big secret? It's not a big secret. It's just it's still being written. It's, there we it's go. Main, it's its main point. Uh, I'm travelling around France in the footsteps of famous writers. So there's about 10 to 12 of them. Half of them are French, others Brits, Irish, American writers. And they've all either made journeys or their novels have been set in specific places. So this is place writing and looking at what they saw and then seeing what's there now. I did something very similar in Britain with my book called Footnotes, where I followed 10 British authors around Britain. And it's the same principle, but it's in France. Amazing. I have to say Footnotes is how I first kind of got to know you. And it is... uh a quite staggering piece of work. So I would recommend everyone listening to this to go and get a copy. Thank you. And from a bookshop. Yes, please. (laughs) Local, local bookshop. Local bookshop. There we go. So you've been writing for 10 years. Has writing always been in you? Is it, is it a kind of from a, from a, I mean, you probably, probably the most boring question for an author, but have you always been writing? Of course you have, but was there a kind of all spark moment where it suddenly thought, this is what I'm going to do? It lurks, in the mind that you want to be a writer and of course it lurks in many people's minds and then most people don't become writers and I did English literature at university and I always thought oh I'll write a book one day and of course then the years passed I wrote many many guidebooks so I suppose I never stopped writing and or I contributed many reviews to time out but my first book um, that wasn't a guidebook came about more or less by accident and was about the First World War. Yes. It was about my grandfather, who was an army chaplain and who lost his faith on the front. And I'd always known that he was in the First World War, but he'd never talked about it. Mm. And then my son, who was about eight at the time, I think, was studying the First World War at uh, primary school. Yeah. And I said to him, I think I've got a trunk of my grandfather's in the attic that might have something. And I went up there and I dragged this thing out and put it on the kitchen table and popped it open. And diaries and photographs and memoirs and letters and the most extraordinary collection of stuff just spilt out everywhere amongst the dust. It was um, phenomenal. And, uh, and everything he'd never said about the war was in this trunk. That's incredible. So I was telling someone this. Uh, this is how I got my book deal. Uh, <laughs> Listen was, up, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was telling someone this in the queue at the Frankfurt Book Fair, which I was there for my guidebooks. And uh, I was tapped, literally tapped on the shoulder by an agent who said, for goodness sake, you must write this book. Wow. So that's how I started. I couldn't really take myself seriously as a writer because I still, by this stage, I was in my 40s and I hadn't yeah. written. Uh, so it took me a while to write it, but that was my first book. That's amazing. And I mean, I, I think, I love that you said that he didn't talk about it. That is such a, that, that, so many times I talk to people who've had relatives mm. and so few of them talk about it. I suppose in a way... It's not a duty of you to tell the story for him, but there's a lovely link there that 
he wouldn't didn't tell the story, and it was his yes grandson grandson that did yes, and 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 you don't know whether you're telling it right. And I he was uh, I was eight when he died when he yeah. was in it. He was eighty something, uh, and he was a lovely man. I absolutely adored him. Yeah. But of course, as I say, he never talked about the war or anything. And I've no idea whether I've captured him right. And and, and the more you know, everyone was dead. Yeah, I couldn't. Um, his his one of his. Uh, daughters were still alive, my aunt, but uh, so I spoke to her, I had her stories, and then things emerged, and, mm. and he was just a lovely man, and, and completely out of his depth in the, in the trenches, yeah. as, uh, you know, because it was that kind of war, everyone was scooped up, whoever you were, you, were, yes. you ended up there, and uh, he was just a, a, you know, he enjoyed a good time, he was a priest who just didn't want to encounter too much difficulty in his life, and then suddenly found himself there, yes. burying dozens of people every week and, and it got to him in the end I can imagine I have to say his titles go as well I mean um, that's probably the other, other reason it came out is, is To War With God is, yes it's an extraordinary memorable title it's a good title isn't it and it came to me as I was walking home one day uh, initially it was At War With God and then I thought that's just too strong yeah and it wasn't him you know, he wasn't that sort of confrontational no. person but he was wrestling with his faith for the rest of his life just because of everything that happened yeah. to him and everything you'd seen. Now, yes. I'm pleased you mentioned walking because obviously one of the things that I, I said we'd talk about is I think you're very synonymous. I mean, lots of people, you were kind enough to have me at one of your book launches and you have, you've married um, walking and writing, I think, yes. extremely well. I mean, is there similarities? How do they pair up for you, this kind of, this process of writing and walking and journeying? Well, once I've uh, written this first World War book, I realised what I like to write about is nature and people. And I think that's slightly unusual in that people tend to be nature writers and then they write about the wren or the owl or yep. the, the mountains uh, or they're people writers. And, and I like both and I like the, uh, it's a terrible word, but this interface between mm. people and, and nature and, and what have we done with it and what, what can we do to make things better. And, and I'm, they're, they're environmental books, essentially, yep. in my books about what we've done and how we can make things better. So um, I lost my thread. That's all right. I mean, as a, a joining a canon of writers, I mean, we are obviously in Britain. Uh, there are a few British writers that have kind of picked up that thread of nature. Yes. If you go to Poets Corner in Indeed. Westminster Abbey, you're kind of surrounded by it. People love to walk and write and people get their inspiration from walking. I suppose that's what I was trying to say. And famously, yes, the romantic poets, yep. um, Wordsworth and Coleridge, Coleridge in particular, were huge walkers. Yep. And then out of that kind of rhythm of walking became the sort of rhythm of their poetry. And so, yeah, they're very synonymous walking and writing, and I'm certainly not the only person to be doing that. No, but I just you're you're you've picked up a kind. Of, it's like it's very. I think it's very innard of the of the of the British nation to kind of think like that. I mean, a, quite a lot of our writers are walkers. I read that slightly different views, but Dickens was like two three hours a day. Absolutely and, incredible walker, and, and in fact, he features in, in footnotes. He's one of the authors amazing. I follow. He um, oh, thank God I got that right. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> one trip to uh, which he made to the Lake District with his friend Wilkie Collins. Yeah, um, where Dickens just walked Wilkie Collins into the ground, and then poor Wilkie broke his ankle, who <laughs> uh, couldn't keep up. And then uh, one night, Dickens he had a house in Gad's Hill in Kent. Yeah. He walked there from Tavistock Square, his other house, overnight, and he was very proud of himself. Goodness knows how many hour, miles or hours that was, but he Jeez. just liked to walk through the night, and that's where his, you know, his books came from. It's what he yeah. saw, the people he met that's on the streets amazing. at night. God, that's interesting. That's, there's a good one for you. It's when you say, you know, writing and walking. I bet you everybody was kind of on a cliff top with the wind and the rain, 
Yes. Cities are just the same, aren't of they? Of course, they are, absolutely. And cities are more interesting in a way. I mean, there's not a limit to what you can say about the cliff top, but after a while, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's windy. Exactly. Have to go full Heathcliff. <laughs> yes. <probably. laughs> yeah. Yes. Whereas cities and their pubs and their people are yeah. more exciting intrinsically. Yeah, I'm really desperate to find somebody that writes a book on pub names and mm. where they come from. Because I just think if you, you could trace a lot of London history through its pubs. You I think. certainly can. They change the names all the time. Yeah. But that's interesting in itself. Yes, it? it is. So I've obviously got the connection with your grandfather on the Western Front. I mean, that's how we first met. Was yes. kind of this talking about the Western Front way. Do you go over there a lot? I mean, is it... I mean, you obviously went over there to research it. Is it somewhere that you're, you've been, you're going, going back to? Yes, I don't... Um, I've been there for research purposes. I've been there once with my children for... I was about to say pleasure, but... I know what you mean, though, yeah. Kind of informational visit, and it is a big moment, uh, when they were younger. And uh, I'll be going back for my new book on France because Edith Wharton and Catherine Mansfield both went to the Western Front during the war. Catherine Mansfield's brother was killed there, and uh, Edith Wharton spent a lot of time there. So I do get drawn back there. I I don't know. I know the British part fairly well I don't know it from mm-hmm. the south I'm going to rectify that <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes I didn't pay him to say that okay let's just clear this up we don't pay our guests um okay I mean I I always try and when whoever I'm talking to because I've obviously talked to experts in areas and you are a you are an author publish amazing books what if I'm listening to this and I think god I really you know I want to get a bit closer to nature or place would you say walking is a good way to do that just get your shoes on and well, Start. there's no better way because it's far better than driving and it's far better than being on a bicycle. Yep. You know, you're moving at the right pace Yes. if you're walking uh, and you can stop very easily yep. and think about things. I love um, the search for a sense of place. I think that's one of the things I like to write about is, is do places have um, an atmosphere or an intrinsic yep. spirit to them? Uh, which is a fanciful idea and lots of people talk about it and and, uh, and of course it's a ludicrous idea in one sense that any place would have its own atmosphere and it's surely something we bring with us or something mm. we've imposed because you know that atmosphere of the Somme we all talk about well that's something we've brought with us really and, and we're thinking about the Somme in that way only because of everything we know and everything we've read if we just stumbled across across the Somme and knew nothing about it, would we get that atmosphere? Yeah. Well, we don't really know. Cause I, but I, I'm always looking for that elusive atmosphere. You know, is there something... Because you do, you get a chill in a certain place you or you get a feeling of absolute joy in another place. And, and it's hard. why is that? Well, is, is it just because it reminds you of something you've seen before or is there something yeah. there? And, of course, that's a lovely thought that it might be there. There might be magic in the landscape. And I, I go looking for it, but it's hard... Yeah. Hard to pin down. That's beautifully put. Um, I have to say, I mean, I've shared a few of my experiences. That's southeast of Verdun, I was trying to alter the walking route because it was a bit rough and ready. Mm. And it was, went through somewhere with forestry. And I quite literally stumbled across a bunker complex. Yes. And it was... I didn't feel I was alone in there. Yes. To put it that way. But I don't know if I was bringing that now. Yes. Thinking, you know, because I was already quite on edge and I was tired. <laughs> yes. And I was, you know, when you start to hear like the cracks of twigs and you're like, oh God. <laughs> yes. I get very easily scared in a wood after dark. And I've yep. written a whole book about woodland, oak and ash and thorn. And people assume yes. that I'm very at ease in woods, which yep. I, I am generally. But as darkness falls and you're alone in a wood and the twigs start to snap yeah it's a terrifying place to be <laughs> yeah, it's a terrifying place i have to say i mean uh, 
I do most of my walking on Wimbledon Common. Mm. And I think the thing about that place, because I have to walk the dog so early, so it's dark. Yes. But it's very overgrown. <laughs> it's yes. kind of, it's, Things can be lurking. You find that with common land sometimes, like commons. Mm. They're not that well, they're not as structured as kind of a, a royal park. So yes. there's lots of kind of nooks and crannies you can get lost in. Good. Um, okay, we'll draw it to a close very soon because you've been kind enough to give your time. Um, I mean... The Western Front Way, you know it well. Nice. Um, good thing for people to be doing, kind of walking a pilgrimage along the First uh, World War trench lines. It's lovely to walk with a purpose, isn't it? I it like is. to have an end point in mind when I walk. I mean, I'm very good at getting lost, so it's a lovely <laughs> thing to have way marks, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm famous for getting anyone who ever walks with me lost. But, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful idea, and... Um, it's so important to keep remembering because mm. it can fade very over a hundred years now, of course, yep. since it all finished, and uh, it will fade. It, it will. seems a ridiculous idea, but mm. it will fade unless we keep walking it. And, and it's a lovely idea that you're highlighting not just the war, yep. but the nature, Quite right. and the people who were there, and the people who continue to be there, and running their restaurants and their bars, and the life they bring to the place. And that's the thing I meant about atmosphere. That atmosphere, atmosphere can change. Yep. For the better. And I think that would be a wonderful thing if it did, if we didn't always associate it with horror and slaughter, but also with great wine. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that the... I can't think of anywhere else on earth that's more concentrically loaded with kind of history than that Western Front, because it's because it was such a tight place. You know, a thousand kilometres sounds a long way, but Mm. an entire world was at war on 1,000 kilometres. Yes. So it's pretty heavily... you, You don't really go many days without your jaw dropping. Somewhere. No, I think it's also amazing how um, our understanding of it just keeps changing. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That, the, this idea you just mentioned, the whole world was there. Well, the world was literally there. And yeah. The different nations that, the, that were there, this is only really coming out now, all the African troops yeah. and Indian troops and the Portuguese sector, all of this is was hidden from us slightly was. when we were learning about it when we were younger. And it's magnificent that this is all still evolving. Yeah, knowledge. I agree. I found a Chinese uh, labour corps cemetery the last yes. time I was over there, which was extraordinary i mean same shape of headstone because mm. they were under the watch of the kind of you know the imperial graves yes. commission which became the commonwealth war graves commission but very different inscriptions yes uh, much more kind of noble deed yes than sacrifice it was more the kind of nobility of going to war it's extraordinary that is amazing so last question because everybody's going to want it how can we find out more about you well i'm on X, as X. it's now called, Twitter <laughs> as it was. I'm still there at P Finds, Good. and uh, my publisher is One World. You'll find yep. my books there on Good. the website. Okay, guys, get to One World. That just leaves me to say thank you so very much, Peter. Thank you, Rory. Okay, see you guys. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs>